You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. All right, it is that time once again, my favorite time of year, and I am just so excited to be digging into today's rendition of the SG Drive-In, now playing Hocus Pocus, and one of my favorite things about the SG Drive-In series is I've been able to talk to some random people about some random movies that you really wouldn't think that you'd be sitting with to have a conversation with about this particular movie. And today is absolutely no different. Today at the SG Drive-In, I am joined by the one and only Tejas to talk about, of all things, Hocus Pocus. How's it going, man? It's going well. I love Hocus Pocus. Always have. It's older than me, but... It is. It's almost as old as me. And the fact that it is older than you by the margins that it's older than you. Be right back while I adjust my AARP, but I digress. Um, so, so before we get to the get to the movie, like there's so much to, there's so much to talk about. But it's the SG drive-in. It's Halloween season. I gotta ask, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Candy? Oh, that's so much yes. easier than movie. Uh, ah. Is it honestly probably Whoppers? Like the malted milk ball covered in chocolate. I love Whoppers. Like I'm not a big I- candy guy. But in in my book, you might as well have said black licorice. Like, I don't understand. I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't Whoppers. Black licorice is good, too. In very, very small amounts. Like one I piece. I respectfully disagree week. with you. <laughs> There's something yeah, about it. Honestly, but that tracks for people who don't really like candy. I feel like black licorice is the candy for people who don't really dig candy. I, on the other hand, we just got off. You know, for all of you Patreon, uh, all of you people have been wondering whether or not to jump on over to the to to the Patreon. Tejas and I just got just wrapped up on talking about pumpkin spice drinks and my absolute love affair with the pumpkin spice latte. Um, the only the 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 sweet thing that ha- I have, I I call it my rest of the year love affair, is pump uh, uh, peanut butter. I love peanut butter. I've always loved peanut butter. I love peeper. And so Reese's, the, the pumpkin, uh, the, the pumpkins, absolutely hands yeah. down the, yeah, the single best. So yeah. I'll, um, I'll probably right, have so, one this season. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. I, I absolutely have a sweet tooth. They are my jam. Um, so tell me TJ, what are your first memories of watching Hocus Pocus. How old were you? Well, technically, the first time I saw it, I definitely do not remember because uh, my older sister was, sorry, she was born in 1990. Uh, She's a good bit older. uh, And this was one of her favorite movies. So we had it on VHS, then we had it on DVD. Uh, We watched this movie kind of a lot. The first one I remember was just watching it uh, in the den with my dad, you know, he's on the couch. I'm on the love seat. We're just watching movies. That's what we were doing for a little while. And it was great. I've always loved Hocus Pocus. Uh, you know, my parents weren't really the overprotective Christian type. You know, we went to church, but they weren't going to limit the media I could consume. Uh, they trusted me to make my own decisions in regards to that, which I appreciate a lot because, man, I, I know a lot of those people and they've got it kind of rough. But yeah, it's always yeah. been around for me. Even in daycare, we watched it. I remember. That's funny. So 
it's funny to me how popular this particular movie and how accepted this particular movie is. You know, this seems to be one of those movies that flew under the radar for a lot of people, you know, when it comes to uh, movies that were marketed absolutely 100% for kids that absolutely 100% have adult themes and suggestive material. Not to mention, it's it's literally about witches. Um so, you know, but it's but it's always nice to hear when somebody when, you know, a young person is given that opportunity to be able to build those build those muscles themselves rather than being dictated to about what is and is not acceptable. Because honestly, for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, I think this qualifies as a kid. movie. You know, yes, there are suggestive elements. There are layers to some of these jokes, but I would feel comfortable showing this to somebody who's younger. Yeah. Which the really crazy thing about this movie, in my opinion, uh, not the last time I watched it, but one of the more memorable times I've watched it was when I was attending North Greenville University, which is a Baptist college. Well, they're not technically Baptist anymore, but they're a Christian college. And it was movie night, you know, whatever. They drive in movie night, ironically enough. Uh, They show a movie on the baseball field and everyone just drives onto the baseball field. And then they were showing Hocus Pocus. Crazy. And you know how many sheltered homeschool kids go to that college where the first time (laughs) they saw this movie was on the North Greenville University baseball field? That's funny. It was a great time. It was a great time. Yeah, honestly, they're they're probably if we're being if we're being realistic, there were probably people who walked away from that having that been their first uh, exposure, like actual exposure to the concept of like so, like a witch or like somebody who yeah, like for sure I know her or whatever. I, I was there. I was next to her. There you go. Yeah, that's that is entirely and completely unsurprising. But you know this. Oh, I, I'm trying to think back, and and this is one of those. Movies that's always kind of been been around because, like I said, think I yeah no I'm I'm very confident that I am slightly older than this movie, <clears throat> and so I I have this was this was a movie that was always on Disney Channel. This was a movie that was always on on TV. We had the VHS, so on and so forth, to the point where over here on my backdrop, I know we're not on a video um, on a video feed for this one, but in my backdrop is actually the sequel to Hocus Pocus. Um, picked it up in Salem, and uh, I've actually been to. They have where uh, if you take a like a trolley through through downtown Salem, one of the places that you can get off at because it's all like. I think from end to end, it's something like a mile and a half, two miles of of distance to go from one end to, of Salem to the other. So it's not very big. But um, the house where the party takes place, where uh, Max and his sister uh, run into... Allison. This character. Allison. There it is. Okay. And I did confirm it is 1993. So yeah, I'm a handful of years older than older than this movie, but this is something that, like I said, like having been so ingrained, and I always have to laugh whenever I'm on with somebody who like qualifies that that like they grew up in a Christian household, and so like I wasn't one of those one of those sheltered kids is like a whole meaning, like it has like a whole inference of of a subculture of Christianity and all of that kind of stuff. And like, I I laugh sometimes because at the same time, 
I'm watching things like wrestling. Uh, and for those of you wrestling fans, like this is a, a, a period where it's, it's very risque. You know what I mean? Like this is uh this is, it's not family friendly. Um, and I'm watching things like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that, like going, especially going into like 95, 96, 97, stuff like that. So like this in, in comparison to some of the other stuff that I was exposed to at a very young age, this is like minor league stuff. Like this is like Aladdin in comparison to some of the, some of the other stuff. And so, so it's, it's funny to me in ways of how serious some Christian households take a movie like this and how like sitting in college, you're seeing this movie that ultimately is like a comedy. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I understand what the premise is and I understand that, but that like some people could glorify or some people could argue it's glorifying and yada, yada, yada. But like, I mean, they're the villains for what it's worth. And like, no, it doesn't ever take itself seriously. Like it doesn't ever take itself too seriously. Yeah, I mean, these kids didn't see Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Some of them aren't yeah. even allowed to watch Narnia. That's ridiculous. But yeah, we literally just wrapped up the 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 run through uh, as as of recording this yesterday. The last entry of the Narnia series went out on the main feed, and it's so funny to me where that line is for different people because we just went through. Uh, I think 10 episodes in total when you include all of the extra stuff. And we like, I, I was on every single one of those, uh, those episodes. And the thing that I kept saying the entire time was this, this term of reflections of truth. And so like to see where that, where that line is and to know how much tr- source material is baked into Narnia, like, come on, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it's, it's funny and it's absurdity because it really it's there's so many layers to that conversation of ultimately it equaling it's not one size fits all it's just not when you talk about and i think that that's something that in order to kind of be cool with the fact that the christians are talking about like all of these halloween movies and this being one of the tame ones as far as what we're going to get into with some of these with some of these movies like yeah you got to accept the fact that this is just this is just somebody decided to make make a movie based off of a very real portion of t- our period of time based off of like actual significant historical things. But this in and of itself is not taking itself seriously. No, it's so goofy. The, the yeah. whole way through, it's goofy. Yeah, and it's especially great. the scene. Like I can every time that I think of Hocus Pocus, the first thing that comes to my mind are the three sisters that are that that when they're as they're going down the the road and they're literally like sniffing out like dogs like the one like actually growls at people and barks at people it's just the physical comedy and I'm a I'm a physical comedy guy I think if if you can bring that physicality to the comedic piece I think that just puts it over the top especially when you're trying to do that like you're not trying to you're not being in unintentionally funny you're being like it's 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 a comedy that i just oh i i crack up and i'm not even uh like really a comedy guy like i i there are some comedies that i like but that's not like my go-to genre if i'm gonna watch a movie and so but for me Every year we've got our we've got our, our temple movies and that there, there are a lot of those movies have ebbed and flowed 
over the years of where my interests have been, where my heart's been, what I've been into, all of that kind of stuff. Those movies, if I'm looking at a top five of Halloween movies and like fall time movies, uh, you know, most of those movies have kind of come in, came and went over the years. Hocus Pocus has been a mainstay. Yeah. And it's just really what it comes down to to me, I think, is the cast. Uh, the three witches were cast so well for no yeah. real reason. I would not have assumed that Sarah Jessica Parker uh, would make a good comedic witch, but she does. Right. Sarah Jessica well, we Parker, live in a, Bette Midler. Right. We, you and I, this is one thing that you and I have, have in common is that we, it is very hard to look at a world that is pre sex in the city, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sex in the City was was kind of, in a lot of respects, Sarah Jessica Parker's coming out party as an actress. Like, yes, she had other credits to her name pre Sex in the City, but it wasn't. That was kind of the the first time that she was really showcased in a starring role like that. So to see this version of Sarah Jessica Parker juxtaposed to some of the other stuff that we know her from, it's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. At least with like Bette Midler, everything that she that we really know her from pre like pre her being in like romance movies and stuff like that, like that those movies are post rather because those movies when she was younger, that's a horse of an entirely different color. But as she got older, she leaned into the fact of the she can be over the top. She can be ridiculous and bombastic and all of that. In 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 order to play uh Winifred the the uh can't think of her last name, their the last name of the witches. Uh, but Sanderson. Sanderson. Yeah. Winifred Sanderson, like in order to play that role, oh dude, you need to be hammy. You need to be you need to lean into every single bit of the absurdity of the role. You know what I mean? And so, but yeah, it's, it's that, that cast, even down to Max and Allison and the sister, like so, everybody did such an exceptional job. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure who played the zombie. Uh, what was his name? Binks. Uh, he did a great job. He did a fantastic so job. Binks was the cat. Binks was the cat. The zombie's name was. Yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill, Billy Butcher, Billy Butcherson played Billy by Butcher. Doug Jones. There it goes. Okay. Hilarious. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So Doug Jones is a guy that, um, for those of you cinephiles out there, he was in, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. He was in, mm -hmm. uh, Hellboy 2. He's, he's got one of those faces that he is very much a, um, he played uh, in the remake of Nosferatu. He played Count Orlock. Um, he's got one of those faces that that has kind of put him into being a character actor like this. Yeah, yeah. And I think he just really likes to work with Guillermo del Toro, which I can respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would too. Yeah, I reach would, out, uh, Guillermo. Let me cast me. I'll be. I'll do something. Right. Yeah. He's he's one of the guys that I. Uh, he's one of the directors that I can pretty consistently say that I've appreciated his work. I think that there are some directors that everyone, you know, every once in a while they get one that's, that's fine. And like, they're like one offs that you can appreciate and all of that kind of stuff. But I feel like it's, it's kind of a rarity to find a director that you can pretty consistently say 
that you like his stuff and and that style of it shouldn't be any big surprise that two the two people that jump to the top of that list for me are Guillermo del Toro and Wes Craven. Yeah. They have a lot of similarities in yeah. their directing style and all of that. Yeah. And your worst movie is like Hellboy 2. That's fine. Yeah. You can live with that. Yep. But anyway, uh even Kathy Oh, what's her last name? I never remember. Uh, uh, Najimi. Najimi. However you say it. Hilarious. Fantastic. Yeah. She's a comedian anyway, which right. they, they really knew they were going for a, a comedy horror and they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Her, like I said, dude, her physical, her physicality that she brought to the role was just so good. Like she just th- threw herself into making uh, a spectacle of herself in that kind of way that like that's what you need for that kind of movie it needs to be that absurd like if in in the same kind of in the same breath that you have a zombie's fingers getting cut off by a manhole cover as a car drives past it and a cut and a cat that talks and comes back to life and all of that kind of stuff like yeah that was that she, she just does such a good job it's so fantastic film yeah so yeah, this is uh, this is one of those movies that is so synonymous and like is not one of those. It's not one that's particularly um, it didn't light the world on fire when it first came out. You know, it, it was one of those movies that, you know, it, it, it came out um, the middle of July. And so, you know, yes, it was like a summer a, a summer flick and we talked a lot the last time about the power and impact of summer blockbusters and all of that kind of stuff but this was a period of time where a lot of low budget movies were being produced a lot of comedies were being produced a lot of actions were being uh produced horror was not taken seriously and i think that's part of why a, a comedy like this gets made because horror is in shambles right now. This is before Wes Craven breathed new life into into the horror scene a couple years later, and this is so. So this is coming out at a time where uh, the 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 landscape is is perfect for a comedy like this to have legs, but it's not that same kind of ridiculous box office attraction sort of feel that that some of these other movies that we talk about in in historic fashion like this have and but but this is a movie that is Disney Channel's best friend like this is the, this is the perfect material for a Disney Channel and that's where everybody knows this movie from that's where this becomes a generational thing where for a 30 something to you know be able to say like, yeah, I went to the, to the house and I have the sequel book and we're in, in 2022. And finally, after a lot of back and forth about a lot of conjecture about whether or not this would even happen in the first place, we're finally getting the sequel. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, and at this point that's ballsy because you have, this is, this is now cult film status in a lot of regards. And, Every single person now has the responsibility of living up to the legacy of it in in order to 
you know, yes, I understand toxic fandoms. I understand. I understand. I'm saying these things tongue in cheek that that like there's so much legacy built up now that it, it it just by nature of how fandoms work becomes harder to appease everybody because the the bell's already been rung because you you now have this thing to compare it against. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I say all of those things. I'm stoked but for the for the um for for the sequel to come out and the two of us will be back together to talk about it once it does come out. I I'm stoked for it uh, because again just don't take yourself too seriously. Throw yourself in the role. Have a good time. And that's all you need. You know what I mean? Because that's what this movie ultimately is. Guys, if you don't know what this, what the premise of this movie is, right? A guy, a kid, a teenager, I should say, is really the most applicable term. A teenager f- transplanted from California, just moved to Salem. Here's about this, the story of the Sanderson sisters, the three witches. And go. they go to their house and he lights a black flame candle and it works because he's a virgin. Guys, this is this is where we're at. This is this is the premise of the story and hijinks and ridiculousness ensue and and that to me is part of the fun feel, right? So much so much conjecture happens about whether or not Halloween is okay and whether or not this practice is okay and whether or not it should show this and this and that. But like sometimes fall and Halloween and and all of that kind of stuff is just about having a good time. You know, yeah, I went through that period of time where I did the whole ghost hunting thing and I did all that kind of stuff on Halloween and yada, yada, yada. I, I went there. I did that. That was a part of my past. But being a kid during this period of time, it was like the the pretty colors because I, I grew up in the rural area and like trick or treating and horror movies and all of that kind of stuff. And that that's a power of a movie like this, right? It fits into that time frame almost in a way honestly in a lot of respects for me and this go if you not sign up to patreon and listen to this episode because i'm about to reference it again this is the pumpkin spice of movies for halloween for, for fall season for me you know mm. what i mean it's just there it's mm. been there for time and memoriam at this point and it's just synonymous with the season yeah and that's crazy because it's not disney that made it that way in right. disney's eyes this movie flopped in the box office you know made right. a little money but it was not a huge yeah. success. And they gave the rights to ABC Family. And ABC Family is the pumpkin spice of TV channels, you know? Fall is ABC Family's time to shine. Yeah, it is. That's where they do their, they're called Freeform now, which I hate. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel the same. Right. But fall is when ABC puts out their best stuff. Every yeah. year, it's, it was Hocus Pocus. They would even play Halloween Town while yeah. Disney was playing Halloween Town, but not Hocus Pocus. So ABC Family is really to be thanked for the return of this series. That's what really turned it into a cult classic is every year you could just catch it on TV and more and more people would watch it and find out like, hey, I really like this movie. Yeah. Now it's on Disney Plus after not being on Disney Plus for for a good long while. Yeah. It's it's funny because this is the kind of movie that is like, you know, perfect for that kind of for that kind of service. And you just you have to wonder why. What uh, it really does feel like some businesses are just allergic to making money. Like they just do dumb stuff sometimes. Like, and that's not about fandoms, this or this or that. Like I'm a business guy. I'm a numbers guy. I understand profit margins and loss leaders and all of that kind of stuff. Sometimes these companies just do things that don't make a lick of sense from a business standpoint. 
You know what I mean? And and so, but at least ABC Family came through doing their pumpkin spice thing and put this out. And like, you're also talking about a group that has access to 90 sitcoms and all of the Hollow- the various Halloween episodes that would run for those. And they showcase those kinds of things. And then you have also, they still pump out sitcoms. And so they have their own sitcoms that are, that are doing their Halloween. I'm a sucker for Halloween themed sitcom episodes like they're just oh, yeah. so good you know through through the entirety of the 90s i can point to several of them that that was that was my jam yeah. as a kid fall is fall is a great time to watch tv yep for sure so you know as as we as we bring this this episode of the sg drive-in to a close if you have not if you have sat here for the last half hour and listened to Tejas and I go on about this wonderful movie and you have not watched this movie. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to go watch this movie. It's on Disney Plus. You don't have a reason not to go watch it now. And and you will and and to the to those of you that paused this, went, watched the movie, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, welcome back also. But you're welcome. Yes, absolutely. So if you have tuned in to this and you want to hear more of us talk about a variety of different movies and talk about uh, different fall-themed things, check out systematicgeekology.org. Go back, listen to the run-through, listen to the first uh, rendition of the SG Drive-In, listen to everything that we've got going on for the holidays, uh, while you're there, go ahead and slide on over to the host tab to be able to listen to more of the projects that our wonderful panel of hosts are involved in. And last but certainly not least, if you want to help us keep the lights on, go ahead and slide on over to patreon.com slash systematic ecology. There are tons of goodies to be had over there. Until next time, guys. Remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of peace. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.